Please join me in the prayer for illumination. God of wisdom, open us to the work of your spirit that we may hear and faithfully respond to your holy word. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from the prophet Jeremiah in the second chapter. Listen for God's word to you today. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Israel, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered and you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination, the priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Our psalm is from the 81st. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Our New Testament reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, in the 13th chapter. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let mar the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, 
be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. From the Gospel of Luke in the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place, and then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In ancient Rome, diners reclined at U-shaped tables. The host sat at the head of the table. And the closer you are to the head of the table, the more honored you are. Now Jesus admonishes us, not to take the place of honor, and Presbyterians are very good about following that, as you can see. <laughs> there is also the understanding that when one invites others to dinner at their house, that they will then be invited to dinner at one of their guests' house in turn. But the reciprocity of that undermines the spirit of hospitality. Jesus says, invite those who can't invite you back. Or, as we say today, everyone should get a seat at the table. Jesus also warns against assuming that we are more honored than anyone else. We have a lot of trouble with that. It's very easy from a privileged position to think that there are some who are beneath us. The author of Hebrews expands this idea of humble hospitality. 
to have love for those who may not love you in return, to have empathic love, to feel others' pain and suffering as though it were happening to you. We are also admonished that we should take care of what we value. When the author tells us not to love money, but to be content with what we have, there's an understanding there that what we value is not always what we ought. Jeremiah also tells us that oftentimes we place our value somewhere other than where it belongs. In Jesus' words, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There's an admonition throughout scripture to value people above all else. We too often put other things before people, allowing suffering and privation. Human lives are often considered a fair trade in the service of laws, a robust economy, healthy profits, cherished ideologies. But that constitutes idolatry. Idolatry was one of the cardinal sins that the prophets, including Jeremiah, denounces. Now, of course, we don't worship ancient Canaanite gods, but we do have our idols. But we worship a God who values human beings, human life, so much that love for them is inseparable from love of God. Anytime we sacrifice the well-being of others, it constitutes a betrayal of God. When we go after things that God considers worthless, and God considers that not just a betrayal, but rejection. Because we're rejecting the value that God places on human lives. We tend to view God as having kind of a stunted emotional life. We're very quick to acknowledge that God loves us, that God forgives us. But then we don't imagine that God feels pain. We don't think of God having hurt feelings. But the prophets tell us differently, that God does feel pain. God does experience rejection. So think for a moment of a time when you have experienced rejection, when you have experienced betrayal. God knows all about that. Because when we idolize inanimate things, injustice follows. Now, we may not be slaughtering people on altars, but we do sacrifice lives in the name of our idols. And God experiences that injustice as a rejection. So those who are less honored are to be invited to the table in Jesus' name, without regard for whether others can or will reciprocate, without concern for what we get out of it. 
because for God, all should be honored. And the more honored any one person thinks they are, the lower down they should sit. We like to limit love for our neighbor. Just like the lawyer who wanted God to specify exactly what it means to love one's neighbor. We think of this love that God admonishes us to as something that we just have for other Christians. Sometimes we limit it even further, that we love those in our denomination or that we love those in our congregation. I've been reading several books recently. One of them is The Cross and the Lynching Tree. The other is God's Long Summer. In The Cross and the Lynching Tree, James Cone observes that white theologians ignored the lynching that was taking place throughout the South, and in some cases in the North as well. He expressed frustration that the white church never made the connection between African Americans being lynched and the Jew that was lynched in Rome 2,000 years ago. In God's long summer, we see the ways in which white Christians have denied love for black Christians, sometimes going as far as denying their faith. Now, we are more accepting of black Christianity today but then we ought to look at the brown Christians that are seeking asylum at our border. We deny that they too are Christians and thus members of the body of Christ. We deny that those whom Jesus has called us to love in his name are worth our love, are worth our protection, are worth anything. In doing that, we deny the kind of love that God requires of us, to have love within the body of Christ, but even then, love for those outside of our tight little circle. Even if we interpret the command to love one another as something we do within our congregation or our community or our denomination, the author of Hebrews challenges us. Love one another and extend that love even outside the community, inviting everyone to the table, honoring the dishonored, because this is what we are called to do in Jesus' name. The author of Hebrews also makes this claim that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always. But somehow we have decided that Jesus is markedly different today than Jesus was yesterday, than Jesus was 2,000 years ago. We've taken his teachings and trivialized them. We have sacrificed the humble teacher in favor of the triumphant, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus who sanctifies our own inclinations. We tend to choose how we want to live, which prejudices to cherish, 
which ideologies to adopt, which idols we serve, what we value above all else. And then we ask Jesus to bless it, rather than seeking for our lives to bless Christ. We assure ourselves that because Jesus loves us, and Jesus does love us, we assume then that Jesus approves of the priorities we have set for ourselves. We allow the ways in which we live to inform the gospel rather than allow the gospel to inform the way we live. Those priorities are out of whack. Look at who Jesus was yesterday. Listen to the teachings. And take the time to really look within ourselves, which is a scary thing to do. But look within ourselves and really imagine, consider where those places are in our lives where we depart from the teachings of Christ. Really engage in the kind of self-reflection that will allow us to grow into our lives in Christ. God knows we aren't Christ-like. Not yet, anyway, but we can try. We can extend love. We can strive for justice. We can have empathy for those who suffer because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We all have a seat at the table. So let us come to the table.